And we know some things God has promised us for this year will be a year of winning and victory, a year of unprecedented victory. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Now thanks be unto God, which always, say always, causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. The message version says it this way, in the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. You know, think about it this way, because I don't know about you, but I like parades. Anybody else like parades? You know, this week, you know, we have the return of the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. You know, anybody ever watched that Thanksgiving parade on TV before? And so I was asking this question on social media yesterday, does anybody have a favorite float? And some people have favorite floats, some people like the band, some people like the dancers, different parts of the parade, that is their favorite, right? So imagine if you have a favorite float. You know, I saw this year they got a Grogu float, so that might be my favorite one this year. And so imagine whatever is your favorite part of the parade, a favorite float, a favorite performance, a favorite dance, whatever, just imagine whatever your favorite might be, right? And so imagine right before that favorite part of the parade turned the corner, the float or the thing in front of it stopped and just came to a halt. How many know you won't get to see your float? That float you've been looking forward to seeing. That float that's your favorite, that part of the parade that's your favorite. You won't be able to see it. Why? Because something in front of it stopped the parade. God is leading you in a perpetual victory parade. And so my message to you today is don't stop the parade. Don't stop the parade. Go ahead, put that in the chat online, say don't stop the parade. Come on, point at someone across the room and tell them don't stop the parade. God is leading you in a perpetual victory parade. Don't stop the parade. Because the thing you're looking for maybe right after the thing you're stopping. That God is leading you to victory, but if you put the pause on it, because God is not putting the pause on it. He did not cancel the parade. But the thing is, you could pause it. So, oh, God is almighty. He, he's all-knowing. He's all-sovereign. Yes, but you can stop it. Well, how do you know that? Let's look at the scripture. Because God is leading you to your next victory, and victory is good, but what he has for you on the other side of victory is even better. The rest and refreshing on the other side of victory is greater than the victory itself. God is leading us. We talk about this end of the, for what, you know, I was praying about what, God, what are you doing in our faith family at the end of this year and into next year? He's leading us to a place of rest, a place of refreshing, a place of renewal. But in order to enjoy it, you have to follow God's leading. You have to fight the good fight of faith and receive the victory. So why do you say receive the victory? Because 1 Corinthians 15 says that God gives us the victory, right? So now thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. So victory is a gift. Say victory is a gift. Go ahead, put it down in the chat. Say victory is a gift. Some of you staring at me, it can't be a gift. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to stare at me that way, go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, 
But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is a gift, but God most often gives us the victory on the battlefields of life. Victory is a gift, but God most often gives us the victory on the battlefields of life. So you're not going to get the victory to stay on your couch all the time. Talking about how bad things are all the time. Talking about bad things you saw on the news all the time. That's not how you get it. You get the victory as you step up to the plate. As you do what God has told you to do. That's when the victory shows up. Yes, there's a faith part, but there's a works part. Because faith without works is dead. This is part of the perpetual victory parade God is leading you. You've come too far, so don't stop the parade now. When you think about all the things you've gone through, not just this year, in your life, you've come too far to stop now. You've come too far to quit now. You've come too far to give up now. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. You've come too far, so don't stop the parade now. You've come too far, so don't give up now. Don't stop the parade now. So yesterday, my wife was taking our one-month-old picture of our youngest baby, Sophia, and so she had ordered this basket. When I saw the basket, it reminded me of the story of Moses. He said, that's actually what it's called. It's called the Moses basket. And so she was getting everything right for the, you know, the one-month photo shoot, taking pictures and everything. And then I was like, well, this is the perfect opportunity to tell my five- and three-year-old about the story of Moses. And so I began to tell them about that story and about what God did for the people of Israel. And my daughter goes, hey, well, can we watch the movie about Moses, the Prince of Egypt? I'm like, sure, let's watch it. And so as they're watching it, and I'm watching it with them, and she has different questions, and we're answering the questions. And I get to the end, and we think about all the things God did for the people of Israel and in Egypt. How he fought for them from heaven. How he overthrew the Egyptian empire for the sake of his people. How he led them out through the Red Sea. And so we were watching that scene and how the Red Sea collapsed. And, you know, my daughter asked, well, why are they so excited? I said, when the Red Sea collapsed, that finished off the access way for the enemy to ever get them again. This is where the moment of true freedom, the enemy who enslaved them could never touch them again. It's over. That's why they're rejoicing and dancing and singing and crying, because it's over. And so I was just watching, you know, the final scene of the movie is Moses standing with the Ten Commandments, looking over the people. And because I know the rest of the story, I'm like, you know what? So some people think this is triumph. But we know the children of Israel stopped the parade. See, the journey to the promised land was only supposed to take two to three weeks, max. But God says, you got some work to do, so I'm going to take you on a longer route, about two years, about a year and a half, two years. Because I know if I take you the quick route, you can get scared. So he's like, well, where is my miracle? Why is not happening yet? God knows you. He may take you a longer route because he's trying to get you ready for your miracle. Because if you're not ready for your miracle, your blessing becomes a burden. And he began to complain about the blessing God gave you. So he's preparing you to carry the blessing. He's preparing you to walk in the miraculous. He knows you. He gets you. And so he took them on a longer route, yet they still chose not to believe. God took them to the edge of the promised land. The edge, literally, it's right there. 
And they said in Numbers 13 and 14, we can't do it. After everything you saw God do, how God slapped Pharaoh, overthrew the Egyptian army, took you through the Red Sea, fed you Krispy Kreme donuts from heaven called manna, called fried chicken to fly in called quail, called water to pop out of the rock. All these things for the last couple of years. And you see him every day in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. You've seen Moses' face light up like a nightlight because he saw God. You see, even when he studied out, they actually, the, all the leaders saw God sitting on a throne. They saw all these wonderful things. And they get to the edge and say, we can't do it. Or in the King James, we be not able. Let us make us another pastor and go back to Egypt. Whoa! You've been slaves for 400 years. You get to the edge of what God has for you. You want to stop the parade and turn around now? And so you got to think, God's plan for the first generation out of Egypt was to go into the promised land. That was his plan for them. But they didn't enter in. Why? Hebrews 3.19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. God had victoriously led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He took them to the edge of the promised land, yet they stopped the parade because of their unbelief. See, one of the things you see in Hebrews 3 and chapter 4, and in the book of Psalms, God called the promised land, the good land he prepared for them, his rest. He called the promised land, the land he prepared for them, his rest. Unbelief will rob you of your rest. Unbelief will rob you of your rest. They did not enter to what God had prepared for them because they did not believe the word of God. Hebrews 4, 2, it says the word of God did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. Some people be like, what? Go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Because a lot of us have this religious notion, well, if God wants it to happen, it's just going to happen in my life. Well, if it didn't happen, it was because of the will of God. Well, how many know you got a will? And although God wants something to happen, it doesn't mean it's going to happen automatically in your life. The scripture says God wills that all be saved. Will everyone be saved? No, because some people don't want to be. Although God has good plans for you, he's not going to override your will. Hebrews 4.2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word won't profit you until you mix it. And you got to mix it with faith. They heard the word. They just didn't believe the word. Now, Joshua and Caleb, they believed the word. Rahab, we find out 40 some odd years later, she believed the word. But the rest of that generation did not. So the word of God, that's sharper than a two-edged sword, the word of God that can change his lives. We say one word from God can change your life forever. It's all true. But it didn't work for them because they didn't mix it with faith. What word hasn't worked for you because you haven't mixed it with faith? See, in Isaiah, it talks about how the word of God is like rain that comes from heaven to prosper the way he sent it. But you know, there could be certain conditions on earth where rain doesn't profit the area. If the area is not ready to receive the rain. There are actually people who've been in droughts and it begins to rain. But because the land wasn't ready for the rain, 
it just ran off and became wasted rain. Have you wasted the word? How many times is, oh, that message was for me. That message was for me. Man, that message was for me, but you don't do anything about it on Monday. It's not the faith you mixed it in the moment. Faith is not a moment. Faith is more than a movement. It is a lifestyle. And a lifestyle is determined by what you do consistently and what you do continually. Not do you have faith when you're at faith. Do you have faith at home? Faith in your car when someone cuts you off on 285. Faith in the job, whether you're working from home or working in the office. Faith in the grocery store. Do you got faith? Do you got faith as the gas prices go up? See, I remember back in, was it like 2008, when gas prices stocked oil, you know, jumped high, gas prices went up. And I was a college student, and I drove a Durango. It's a gas guzzler. It's summer, and I'm working two jobs and taking some classes. And so I went to fill up my car in the middle of all that. And those numbers kept going up, 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 up. And see, there's other people in my car watching the numbers go up, 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 up. And then it stopped at $100. And I'm looking at this number. I said, look, I got two options. I can either cuss or I can speak the word. I'm proud to say I spoke the word. But the thing is, I looked at it from the standpoint, well, at least I can pay it. And even if it stays up here, he still supplies all my needs. You see, recently we were getting something from one of the stores, so we went to one of this big retailer, and I called my wife and said, hey, there's something interesting as we're waiting in the parking lot. There's all of these trailers, huge trailers, huge crates in the parking lot outside of the store. It's like, it's not even just like 10 of them, it's several. It's wrapped all around the back of the store, filled with stuff. I said, I guess they're ready for Christmas. You know, we look at people having supply shortages and issues in the supply chain, but this store particularly had extra, I'm not talking about small little crates, I'm talking about a trailer, or a, crate, a shipping crate that would fill the stage. Multiple of them wrapped around the store. And then I heard about their business report this week. They said, we are not without for this Christmas season. All of our shelves are full. And we are not without people to work. We have hired everyone we need. And see, it made me think about how things work differently in the kingdom of God. While the world can experience shortage, while the world can reel because of inflation, we remember one of the names of our God. He is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And he said he'll supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So you can think about, oh, what are we going to do? Or you can think about, huh, what's he going to do? Where is your focus? Where is your faith? And faith doesn't just go run up the credit cards. Oh, God's going to pay off. That's not what faith does either. There's faith, foolishness, and presumption. But faith knows God's going to supply my needs. Faith knows God's going to give me the desires of my heart. And faith knows I'm going to do what he tells me to do. That I'm not going to get caught up looking at the people across the street or the people on the news or people on social media and judge my life by what's going on on theirs. I'm going to look, what does God tell me on the inside to do? 
That's what faith follows. Don't miss out on that and be stressed out in this holiday season because all the news reports. Unbelief will cause you to miss out on God's rest. Because, you know, eventually the prices will go down again. They go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. That's what they do. So you can either be stressed as wilds up and then finally try to find some peace after it goes down. Or you can just stay at peace now. Follow God. Follow his wisdom. Do what you know to do in the natural and believe God for his super on your natural. Unbelief will rob you of your rest. Say, unbelief will rob me of my rest. Go to Joshua chapter 1. So don't stop the parade. Unbelief will stop the parade. Unbelief, thank you, sir, will stop the parade. Go to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 6. Now, we're skipping ahead here about 40 years, exactly probably 38 and a half. Moses has died. The people have mourned him. And God says, time for you to move on. He said, as I promised Moses, as I promised you, you will cause this next generation to inhabit the land. There's a new generation that Joshua has to lead. And notice what God tells Joshua, verse 6, be strong and have a good courage. For unto this people shall you divide for inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not to it from the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Say, be strong and very courageous. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Let's say it again. Say, be strong and very courageous. Say, be strong and very courageous. In order for the parade to go forward, you got to be strong. In order for the perpetual victory parade to go forward, you have to be courageous. See, remind me as I was praying over this message this week and thinking about it, about what happened when God called Moses after he'd been in the desert for 40 years. That he saw the burning bush wasn't consumed by the fire, it's the fire of God. And God told him to cast his staff, and the staff became a snake, and Moses acted like the rest of us. Snake, oh! He wasn't trying to pick that up. But what did God tell him to do? Pick it up. Handle it. What are you jumping from? Something happens in front of you, just jumping. Stuff God's been telling you to handle, you jumping from. Stuff God told you to do, you running from. Acting like Jonah, trying to become a fish snack. What are you jumping from? What are you running from? Be strong and very courageous. If you want the parade to continue, you have to be strong. You can't back down now. You have to be courageous in the face of everybody else who's afraid. You have to do what God told you to do. Don't be concerned by what God told somebody else. What did he tell you? Too many of us try to be lazy Christians and build our faith on somebody else's word. See, we talked about this a couple months ago when God brought Israel out of Egypt. The word to Egypt was, let my people go, and the word to Israel was, go. But when the Egyptians tried to act on Israel's word, what happened? They drowned in the Red Sea. 
You may be trying to drown and trying to swim, trying to keep your head over the water because you're living off of somebody else's word. What did God tell you? What did he tell you to do? Stop running after every prophet and get in your own prayer closet and pray in the Holy Ghost. What is he telling you? Stop watching those Facebook streams and giving some of your PayPal information if they prophesy good to you. You get before God. If you're a believer, God lives on the inside of you. Get in the book and pray. And stop being offended at everybody. Stop being mad at everybody. Well, the Republicans, they're Democrats. Stop. When has politics become our idol? Some of us are more obsessed with what the politicians do. And instead of keeping gold in the temple, we brought brass in the temple saying foul things like, let's go, Brandon. It's as bad as those of you who used to call the former president the orange one. We're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus. Not caught up with the outrage and the anxiety of the world. Well, why can't I hear from God? Maybe you've been bound down to too many idols. Thinking your salvation comes from a political party, from the stock market. Why is your parade stopped? Maybe your focus is in the wrong place. Maybe you're filled with offense because of what somebody else did. Somebody who's not your gender, not your race, not your economic class. Getting full of faith. Yeah, make them pay that. Make them pay that. Whoa. What if someone kept pointing at you? Make them pay that. Make them do that. Make them do that. You don't like that either. What is that judging unrighteously? And what happens when you judge unrighteously? What did Jesus say? You'll be judged. See, some of our lives would be a lot better if we just be quiet a little bit more. Not everything requires you posting. I said it before. If you're not going to pray about it, don't post about it. We love to post. We don't like to pray. I remember one time I was watching something going on, and I was like, I was just internally thinking, man, that is horrible. Man, that gets on my nerves. I can't. And the Holy Ghost said, it doesn't bother you enough to pray about it, so I guess it's not that important to you. Touche. Touche, Jesus. I need to pray about that a little bit more. Don't get caught up in the outrage of the world, nor in its division. Because once... Whatever current issue they're mad about and divided about ends, a new one's going to pick up. Then there's going to be another one. There's going to be another one. You know, you'll be filled with outrage and anxiety all your days. And you're going to pause the parade when God has victory and rest in mind for you. A whole generation died in the wilderness. Please don't be one of them. Always going through and never getting to the other side. He says he'll walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. Stop building a resort. Get to the other side. Say, don't stop the parade. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. That means to think on. That means to imagine. That means to mutter. That means to say. That means to roar therein day and night that you may observe regard to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
there's still some battles you have to fight, so you got to be strong and courageous. you got to do whatever the Holy Spirit's been prompting you to do. You have to be strong and courageous. But you got to stay in that book. You have to read it every day. You need to speak it every day. Because as you read it, as you speak it, as you do it, you will make your way prosperous, the Scripture said. You will cause yourself to have good success. But you have to be in the Word. It's good for me to be in the Word, but it's good for me. It's good for me to have something to share with you. But you need to be in the Word. Well, as long as pastor reads the Word. No, you need to read the Word too. Read the Word. Too many people are deconstructing their faith because they were in the Word themselves. And they built their faith on a personality that failed them because people fail. You need to get in the Word for yourself. What does the Word say? And rightfully divide the word of truth. Because if you can rightfully divide it, you can wrongfully divide it. Who is it talking to? Is it talking to you? Is it talking to somebody else? Does it apply to you? You have to study that. That means you just can't look at it. Ugh, that's a scripture there. Oh, I'm done. That means you have to get in that book. That means you need to read it. That means you need to study it. You need to ask God for wisdom and understanding. He says if you cry out for wisdom, if you cry out for understanding, he'll give it to you. So yes, cry out for wisdom and understanding, but stay in this book. Keep yourself grounded in the word of God. Go to Judges chapter 1. And remember, as the parade continues, you're not in this by yourself. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So stop jumping from stuff. Handle it. Confront it. It's what the Lord told us in the utterance gifts a few months ago. Engage every giant. Stop letting giants, which, you know, another way that word could be translated, especially in Genesis, is terrorists and tyrants. Stop letting that have such a prominent place in your life. Some of us have just longed to cope with the giant, cope with the terrorist, cope with the tyrant, when God called you to overcome it. Some of you have pet names for your giant. Well, you know, that's just how it is. Why? Do you want it to be that way? Do you want it to change? Or do you just want Goliath to live in your house and eat all your food? Imagine how much Goliath could eat. So he's like, well, why don't I have enough? Because Goliath is in your house eating all your stuff. Oh, is it a person? No, it's some attitude you got. Some habits you got. Some things you've been smoking. Some things you've been drinking. Some people you've been sleeping with that you ain't married to. Judges chapter 1. Say, get Goliath out. Judges chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Joshua, so we're skipping ahead another 30 some odd years. It came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? So at least the generation afterwards, or at least the generation that was present after Joshua died, knew enough to go before God. Okay, God, what are we going to do? Joshua's gone. Moses been gone. How should we proceed? Because Joshua led them into the land, and they took a lot of the promised land. They were experiencing God's rest, but there was still more for them. So they got further in the parade. They've enjoyed some great things, but they knew there was still more for them. And so they got before God and says, well, who goes first? That's a good question. They know we need to go forward, but what's the order now? 
And you know what was very interesting? And it says, and the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. The New Living Translation says this way, the Lord answered, Judah, for I have given them victory over the land. Now, yes, Judah is a literal tribe. It was one of the sons of Jacob. It became a tribe. There are hundreds of thousands of people in the tribe of Judah. It grows even larger and larger over the centuries. It is a literal tribe. But you know what's interesting to me when we know the entirety of the scriptures and understanding of this concept, what the name Judah means? Praise. Praise goes first. And that's what we did earlier. Well, at least some of y'all. I can say most of y'all in here, I'm not sure about everybody online, but a lot of us. Praise goes first, but praise doesn't go alone. Say praise goes first, but it doesn't go alone. Put that in the chat. Let's say it again. Say praise goes first, but it doesn't go alone. What does verse 3 say? And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, come up with me into my lot that we might fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you into your lot. So Simeon went with him. Now, Simeon is also a literal tribe with hundreds of thousands of people. But you know what's interesting to me? What Simeon means? Anybody want to know what Simeon means? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody online want to know what Simeon means? It means heard. Heard. Praise goes first, but it doesn't go alone. It goes with what you've heard. What has God told you to do? What have you heard from him? What do you know you need to do? Praise is important, but it's not all that you have to do. Well, I'm just going to praise my way through, but you got to praise and do something else. Well, I got to praise in my heart and a praise in my mouth. Good. Put some work to, too. It's praise and, not praise only. I'm going to praise my way through this situation. I got some bad finances. I'm just going to praise and dance. Well, praise and budget. Praise and save. Praise and pay off some bills. Praise and understand economics. Praise and, not praise only. Why? Because faith without works is dead. Do what God has told you to do. Do what you need to do in the natural and keep the praise of God in your heart and flowing out of your mouth. Go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Praise and, not praise only. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is happening in the, during the reign and the administration of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, who, as the scripture says, is a mostly good king, has done wonderful things for the people of God and led them in the right way. Even more so, his father did great things, but Jehoshaphat took it to another level. And so as they're doing what they're supposed to do, they get a report that three armies are heading their way. Not one, not two, three. And they could have probably thought, maybe I can handle one. Maybe if we feel scrappy, two, but three. We can't do that. If they converge on us, we're done for. And so Jehoshaphat makes a good decision. Let's pray. 
And he says, not just me, all y'all. All the nation, come on. Everybody get together. Young, old, everybody, everybody. Here, come on. Let's pray. Let's fast and see what God's going to do. And so Jehoshaphat leads the prayer, and we see what he prayed in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's based on the word of God. He doesn't start with the problem. He starts with who God is. And reminds everyone and God what he did before. And then he begins to quote the word. Say, didn't you say that if we would stand in this place, and if we would pray this way, this is what you do. He is standing on the word of God. He is standing on God's covenant promises. He's reminding God of his word. And then he begins to address the problem. But still standing on the word of God. And he ends this prayer. For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That says everybody's standing before God. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon a man of God. And he begins to proclaim, listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the sin of Ziz. He told them exactly where they were. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. You will not need to fight in this battle, but position yourselves. Say, position yourselves. Then he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah, in Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And the whole country believed the word, and they bowed down and worshiped before God. And the next day, as they go to position themselves, say, position yourselves. The king said, hear me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, real ones. Not just the people who call themselves one, because you can call yourself anything, it doesn't make you one. I can call myself a refrigerator and not be one. <laughs> Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They believed the word of God so much, they said, praise goes first. Now, although they weren't going to have to fight in the battle, they still sent the army. They were still supposed to position themselves. It reminds me of the scripture says in Psalms, talking about how unless the Lord watches, the watchman watches in vain. That doesn't mean the watchman doesn't show up. The watchman is still supposed to watch. This no part you're supposed to do. But God has his part. So as the army, as the nation begins to march, they put the praise team in the front. They began to say, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. They're talking about God's mercy, which means his covenant love, God's love for them, that God has determined to bless them, that it doesn't matter what it looks like, God's covenant is going to kick in. So they say, praise the Lord, his love for us endures forever. Praise the Lord, his covenant endures forever. Praise the Lord, he loves us. Praise the Lord, he's got mercy. Praise the Lord, his promises endure for all generations. That's where they began to sing and shout. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, and Moab and Mount Seir, which would come against Judah, and they were defeated. As praise went first, and they began to operate on what they heard, as they began to position themselves and do what God told them to do and do what they needed to do in the natural, God stepped in and set ambushes against the enemy. So by the time they got to the battlefield, remember, God gives you the victory on the battlefields of life. By the time they got to the battlefield, it was already handled. But they noticed something. All of these armies brought a whole bunch of jewelry and money and riches just laying there. And so I was like, we should have let that go to waste. Might as well spin it. And it took the nation three days to gather up the spoils. Think about if you went to your favorite store, whatever one it is, and they told you, everything in the store is yours. It's already paid for. You just got to pick it up. Some of you, it's like, oh, I'll just take a few things. Some of you, it's like, nope, I need a little bit more than that. I need a new wardrobe. I need a new car. I need a list of stuff. You know what? So does my kids. So does my grandkids, my cousins, Pookie and them. All of them, they need something. And you look at stuff. I can't wear it. I don't know anybody who can, but I could sell it. Let me take that too. Imagine how long it would take you to get all that stuff. If you said, no, Pastor, it won't take that long. I can clear it out in a day. I got it. A day. I got it. Just me. But imagine how much it was for a nation to take three days. And on the fourth day, they stopped and praised God. They renamed that valley of the victory the valley of the blessing. See, a valley that looked like it was going to be a battle to take them out, they renamed it. You've got to start renaming stuff in your life. You've been calling things your trauma and your problem for too long. You need to expect victory and rename some things in your life. They renamed it the Valley of Blessing. And what happened after this wonderful victory? Verse 29, and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. But do you know what also says here at the end? That the land was quiet. And God gave them, what's that word? Rest. What followed the victory? Rest. Refreshing. Now, this victory was nice. Come on. Against the three armies, that was nice. Getting the spoils of war, that's nice. But the rest is better. 
The victory feast in the time of rest is better. You may think about, man, that was a good battle. Man, we won. But the rest is better. Come on, you diving into that fried chicken with the hot sauce after you won the battle is better than fighting the battle. Come on, you getting that macaroni and cheese, that extra helping because you're like, look, I already handled it this week. That's better than the battle itself. God is leading you to a place of rest. He has refreshing in his mind for you, renewal for you. But you need to handle the things you need to handle. You need to stop jumping from stuff. You need to confront the things you need to confront. You need to deal with the things you need to deal with so you can have the victory God has for you so you can experience the rest he has in mind for you. Praise goes first, but it doesn't go alone. Let's go to Psalm 100 and close here. Don't stop the parade. Say, don't stop the parade. Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. That means yours, too. Whether you're a baby boomer, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z, whatever you want to call yourself, it endures to your generation. The Lord is still good. His mercy is still working. His truth, it is still true. It doesn't matter what you are facing today. God has victory for you. You need to move forward. Get the parade moving again. Let praise go first and let it go with what God has told you to do. Don't stop the parade. Keep moving. Because what's on the other side of victory is better. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, Father, we thank you because you are good, because your mercy endures forever and your truth does endure to all generations, even to ours. We thank you for the instructions we've heard today. We thank you for the things you've corrected us on, things you've encouraged us Promises you reminded us of. And Father, I remind you of what you told me. That for every experience here on out, in person, online, you will refresh your people. You will renew them and grant them rest. So I pray for the winds of the Holy Ghost, the very breath of God, to refresh every single person of the sound of my voice. In this room and watching online, may the refreshing that flows from the presence of God, as it says in the book of Acts, flow into them right now. May they experience your rest. May they experience your renewal. May the fresh wind of the Holy Ghost encourage them and strengthen them right now so they get the parade going again, the perpetual victory parade. May they not be tired and well-doing, but they'll press toward the mark of the high calling of the anointed one, Jesus, and his anointing. That they won't give up that they won't quit, but they'll be strong and courageous. 
So let fresh wind blow into their lives right now. Into their physical bodies, into their souls, into their spirit. The winds of the Holy Ghost into their relationships, into their marriages, into their relationships with their kids and their grandkids. Into their businesses and careers and their finances. In their homes and the communities of the wind of the Holy Ghost blow. And may the refreshing be granted unto them as they press into your rest. As they labor to enter into your rest, as it tells us in the Hebrews. Father, we know we can't do this by ourselves. So we lean on you. We put our trust in you. We rely on you. And we know you will grant us the victory. So remind us of things we've heard that we've forgotten. Give us another chance to do it again, sir. Because of your great love and mercy, I ask for it. Remind us and help us to do it. I thank you that you live in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. So we don't have to rely on our soul power, our own good intentions. We can rely on the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, rests upon us, and dwells in our midst. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name.